Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Hit it. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. We are live. Well, you're listening to us weeks <laughs> this after this. Live. Um, this we're is, live. I mean, we're we, talking to each other we live. We are alive. <laughs> and we are alive. And we're talking to each other. We are not live here at uh, Sombria. Sombria Springs Event Center Ranch barn and glamping tents. Pagosa. We had um, recorded about, with the four of us hosts, on on the topic of Dr. Chap and his book. And uh, we're going to record this one, too, because Jacob's going to... Portugal. I'm leaving in two days from now, so a couple weeks. No. (laughs) A week after. I love this time warp. I don't know. I can't get over the time warp of podcast world. Have you put into... Uh, put any time into learning some Portuguese? I did. Good morning? Uh, I don't actually know good morning. Bon dia. Bon dia. Uh, I know that, per, uh, like, excuse me, is com licença. Nice. And then uh, I think, do you speak? I've already forgotten it. There's I'm one doing that... Pimsler lesson one. It's, it's yeah. like... It's like um, I like Pimsler, for sure. <laughs> it's like, el señor... Uh, fala, fala inglês or fala português. Yeah, there you go. And uh, something like agradeção. Agradeção. The, yeah, Portuguese, um, somebody will correct me on this, but there's a lot of cognates between Spanish I and think English. Agradeção is thank you, right? Agradeção, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, um, cut you off. There's a lot of cognates between languages, and so Spanish and English, anything that ends in T I O N. In English is a word in Spanish, but it ends in C-I-O-N. So oh, like yeah. participation, participación. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's similar going to Portuguese from Spanish, but instead of the sion, it's just show. So it's like participación. And so that's why I think the uh, ah. this, the Spaniards think um, Portuguese is like sounds drunk because it's just like you slur at the end. It's like participación. It's got a little uh, nose in there too. Yeah. It's a little nasal. But I am I am Portuguese. My grandpa uh, oh, you was, are? was Portuguese from the Azor Islands. So I'm excited to go to the motherland, one of the motherlands. Oh, yeah. Everybody speaks well of Portugal. It's kind of yeah. like maybe unique in comparison to Spain and the other. That Like that corner has a lot of character to it. Yeah, the whole and Iberian Peninsula. Somehow Portugal... And they have a little bit of a, this little a side country. history that's... That's alongside and sometimes participates in broader European history, but it's kind of on its own too. And I had the Moorish conquest for a while, and then the Reconquista. Oh. So there's like all there's they, they were part of Europe, and then they were part of the Ottoman Empire, and then they were part of Europe Dad. again. So there's a lot of, um, yeah. There's I mean that's right. Like Fatima is. I was gonna say that yeah. explains the question I had was where did this Muslim Fatima is one of Muhammad's daughters, right? Yep. Where did that name come from? That's it. The yeah, Ottoman. There's the, the Ottoman the conquest Moorish of conquest. the Iberian Peninsula. Fascinating. Well, you know, God bless you and all the pilgrims. Yeah. I think it's going to be, there's so much grace that comes from it. There's ways that it's not going to be easy. So you think, oh, traveling with a huge crowd of people, this is going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> at moments and Another in ways. Times. And it might be. That's part of the adventure is like it's mystery. You know, it could be miserable. It could be <laughs> awesome. A lot depends on the weather. Sometimes the organization it's of too the hot event, or rain, or what happens. Um, if you get put next to, we see we hosted in '93. Denver hosted the World Youth Day, and in '97, when I went in 
to Paris and was it 97? Yeah, it was 97. I was 15 years old and because we had just hosted it, we got the worst spots in <laughs> Paris. So it was a huge racetrack and then the fields that went along with it. We were put be- between the like city of porta potties. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true cuz you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people at times. Um, yeah, it was it, a porta potty <laughs> village. Imagine that. <laughs> but we were, yeah, we had the worst spot, and then we had to kind of move ourselves to the back of the crowd. But um, so that wasn't like the the most awesome. The first shall be last, mask, like the big papal mass. <laughs> but you know what came of it was, I was, you know, everybody was grumbling and everything, and I was kind of a pain this way that I would just wander off. I, I didn't. You know, I'd do my own thing. What? And never think wandering twice off? I know. I didn't, well, I didn't know what, you know, I, I could take care of myself kind of thing. So yeah. I go wandering off and I cross this road. Nobody's out there in the forest. And I cross this road and then the, this guy yells at me and says, hey, stop, you know, stay here. And I thought, well, should I run? <laughs> like, what am I going to do? The guy comes up, and he was like, obviously some sort of security. There's Father Trevor Lonte. Bye, Father Trevor. He's Have cool. a good hike. God bless you, brother. He's, he was in and out of the tent. Uh, so this security guy stops me, and he uh, he says, hey, stay here. And so I didn't know he was doing me a favor, which was that the Pope was coming in with an entourage. Ah, so he wanted you to see him. Like, yeah, okay. it was like the back back route to the stage. And so when they rolled by in one of these cars, it was kind of just like one of those regular transport black cars or whatever, um, Pope rolled down his window and waved to me. Nice. So I was like five feet away from John Paul. I never met the guy. I love him. I admire him. He's always one of my heroes. He was one of the points of my conversion around Ernst Fall. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I've you know, just admired the man for so long. So that was like a real grace from God at a World Youth Day. Wow. That was kind of a sidetrack, but that was good. It's a World Youth Day story. God will provide. I never saw uh, John Paul II in person. I was in the vicinity. I was uh, two years old. Oh, yeah. World Youth Day, Denver. Yeah, you're Um, significantly younger. Yeah, I love the guy. Again, my, so my other grandpa's Polish. Oh, yeah. JP2 is like... You got the one of the guys. Have so. you been to a World Youth Day before? This is actually my first World Youth Day. Oh, believe cool. it or not, yeah. I think you're gonna love it. It's just really cool to see how big the church is and mm-hmm. diverse, and it's it's just fun. It brings this atmosphere before the mass. People are singing and dancing. You can see movements from around the world, and yeah. we think, you know, the church is a lot like our own diocese, but that's just a microcosm of a big church with lots of yep. wild stuff going on. So. You're going to love that. What was, I had another memory. I was standing in line um, or in the huge group at Toronto. I went to the one in Toronto. I think it was 2003, something. (laughs) So I was a seminarian by then because I remember uh, Father Peter Musset was on the same trip. But we go with a group from my parish, St. Thomas More, and they were at this big, I don't even know what it was. It was like an airport hangar or something where the big mass was. And the Pope mobile starts coming and the crowd gathers around the road. Like it's fenced yeah. off where the, the Pope is coming and everything. But we were like near the front and there's hundreds of thousands of people. So it takes a long time for the, the Pope mobile to come up and he's waving and blessing and um, people are swooning. <laughs> and uh, it was hot. 
So Pope Benedict's taking taking his time, and we're all crowding and pushing and everything. Well, to do us the favor of cooling us down, they started like throwing ice water <laughs> into the crowd, and it was welcome. I'm telling yeah. you, man. They handed out as many bottles as they could, but then they started throwing ice. Well, one of those chunks of ice really got thrown hard, and it just like <laughs> whacked me in the in the brow perfectly so that your... it cut my eye open or my uh, eyebrow open and just as the pope is coming by i'm bleeding my face is <laughs> bleeding down <laughs> through my eye and i'm just like trying to blink it out and and tie this scarf around my eye like a pirate <laughs> it was such a mess but it makes the moment really memorable and i felt like um i don't know as zacchaeus i i swear that the pope aimed his blessing at me Get that you eye. know, he's going through the crowd, but I think he really, I needed it at the moment anyway. And it healed. I don't think it was a miracle, but. It healed quick. It healed. It was, it was, uh, yeah, Pope blessing assisted healing. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here we are. We're out in nature and. In a tent. In I want to have a conversation. This is not really like a topic. Great. As if I'm going to teach something. I just want to kind of riff with you about a few things. Sweet. So I, I mean, I have something. In That's mind, my favorite, untopic. I know you're in good. The world. You're delightful to do this with. So, uh, we had a little meeting about you know the community gets together and talks mm-hmm. about um, you know what's the state of our community, what are, what's God doing in our lives, um, our guys, what's guys, what are guys excited about, what are they frustrated with. Um, you know, how best do we live this thing and what, especially like discerning, like where is God and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the guys gave us this word, this prophetic word. He had prayed, God, um, what do you, you know, what do you have? Speak to, say something to me, you know, point something out that I should bring to the group. And it was uh, the word stability, hmm. stability. And it was, it was striking and surprising. Sometimes you know that these are graces because of like, I. Ah, Maybe I wouldn't have thought of that. I haven't been thinking about that. Kind of came out of nowhere. As I think about it, I think, well, maybe that's the last thing I would think of <laughs> for this crowd. But stability. And I was I was also just like I've been I've been thinking on it since. And the the kind of wonder and beauty of a the stability of a Christian community. Mm. Um insofar as it's something that is always it always seems volatile, so unstable, right? Yeah. It, it so often feels like, you know, I'm I'm about to I, I feel like I'm going to be alienated from the group, or I'm going to fly off, you know, from the ro- the the carousel, <laughs> or um, this this guy and I are having trouble and tensions, and we're pushing away from each other, or you know what what's going to be the combination that just drives everybody crazy and they blow up or <laughs> you know this relationship is stronger than it's ever been which is also a kind of like you know this push and pull and you know, constant movement feels somehow anything but stable and there are ways when we're reflecting there's a lot of change going on which is like a, a way of describing instability there's uh, different generations. I don't like generation because there's guys of all ages. And yeah, Father Daniel Eusterman is a, uh, a full-fledged member, and he's like 11 months yeah. older than me. And, and he's been a priest for six years. 
Yeah. And I'm being ordained next year. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's generations, there's, um, experience of priesthood, uh, but there's also just experience of life. There's, so we've got anywhere from, I think 24, the youngest candidate seminarian up to not going to incriminate the old guys, (laughs) but I called them old. So there we go. (laughs) Right. I, there's a lot of different ages. There's a lot of different, how many years you've been a priest, how long you've been a Christian, you know, funny fact about age. I think I said this probably another time, but I, I turned 31, um, well, I'm 32 now, but last year when I turned 31, I was filling out a survey for something and it's got the age brackets. And it's always like there's, you know, under 18, 18 to 24, uh, 25 to 31, and then, or 25 to 30, and then 31 to 50. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no, I've hit a new age bracket and it's 31 to 50. 31 <laughs> I have more in common. According according to these, uh, these data analysts, I have more in common with the 50 year old than the 30 year old now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you feel like that's true? A little Are bit. you like an old man? A little bit. I, you don't strike me as an old um, man, but you're, no, you th- sort of have a, a sophistication that tells of age. Well, I think one of the cool things, I was talking to some of the guys about this age of life that we, most of us are in now. We're not elderly, but we're not young. Mm-hmm. And so there's, but it's a long period. So like your, your toddler age you're, you're oh, couple, a, couple, yeah. a couple years and like in that time it feels like everything you know a year is a year is eternity for, mm-hmm. for a three-year-old mm-hmm. uh, but then you've got like your kind of general childhood you know four to 12 or whatever and then you've got your adolescence until college or just after college and then yeah, kind I'm, of i'm never going to be at four, four to 12 you yeah. look at somebody who's like 35 yeah like, man that is so <laughs> old i don't think i'm ever going to be that old and then even like your young adult like post-college you're getting into like first careers or you might be getting married and kind of getting into house whatever it might be first kid all these things are like new and, mm-hmm. and changing and it's rapid but then you hit this kind of point of stability that's why i'm bringing it back yeah there's a stability of of having aged and matured and lived and it's not the change isn't um as robust where it's like four years, big change, four years, big change, you know, four years of high school, four years of college, just big changes in like four to five year chunks. And then you kind of hit this place, but somewhere between 25 and 30 usually where it's like, Oh, I'm just kind of in, in this ride. And there's a stability to it, which can be kind of disheartening at times. You're like, Oh, this isn't as exciting, especially spirits like uh, you and me. Um, But then there is something about kind of like, well, I'm just, I'm in this. Yeah. That's a stability. That's well, and you kind of learn to appreciate the, yeah, the pace, slowing it down. That's having things not being as exciting in some way is, is welcome because the adventure, the wildness, the unpredictability also brings chaos. Yeah. Turns out <laughs> lessons learned in the twenties mm-hmm. and for me, well into the thirties, um, there there actually are consequences that are not what you're thinking of when you set out on an adventure yeah. or you do something wild. And so with a lot of those lessons learned, yeah, Dr. Greg Creed, I asked him, like, well, what am I supposed to think about 40? <laughs> I turned 40, and I don't know what it's supposed to mean. What is it supposed to mean? And he, he said, well, I don't think it's supposed to mean anything in particular. People make too much of that kind of idea. But he said, I... I recommend enjoying it. You know, you have accomplishments. You've come to know yourself in ways. You have people that you're connected with, um, with a lot of those things that you've worked hard on. Mm. Like for 
you know, career people, it's career. You get to a point where you there's more stability. You're not obsessing over how do I get the next promotion, but um, you've got that confidence. You uh, as a as a priest, I've got some years as you know, just a Christian man. I've seen you know, kind of where I'm at, you yeah. know. So I'm not like afraid of not being where as far as I should be mm-hmm. or the thinking too much about um, expecting too much of kind of where I'm going or the pace or whatever. So he was just like, well, that's a time when you can really enjoy. If you open your eyes and you recognize there's a lot here and it's a sort of stability that's um, contentment. You haven't started falling apart yet. Mm -hmm. You're, You're not losing those sort of skills. You've got your strength, but you don't have to answer to your own ambitions <laughs> flogging you and pushing 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 you know so i think sometimes we can think of uh stability as kind of stagnation or boring or and then at the same time we can think of like chaos as exciting and adventurous but i think you go too far on either of those spectrums mm-hmm. and like chaos chaos with no stability is such a unsecure state of life mm-hmm. that anybody that's living in that um, there is actually no real growth. It's it's kind of constant survival. And then on the flip side, you have such stability um, that it kind of stagnates and also there's no growth. Yeah, because boring. There's, there's just like uh, you're already basically dead. You know, nothing, nothing is changing. You've stagnated. And so either extreme is, I think, a dangerous ideal. You and I are, especially as we were younger, sought a lot of, kind of chaotic adventure maybe yeah pass from one thing to the next yeah yeah. but i would i would venture to say your experience was similar to mine i was able to do that because i had stabilities in my life because i had a stable and healthy family that supported me like my dad one time he's like i love seeing what crazy idea you're gonna have and pursue like oh sure you're gonna go try out for the u.s olympic bobsled team (laughs) didn't didn't make it it was just some like random athletic tryout but i went but i signed up for it (laughs) went down to colorado springs oh you did yeah i went down to colorado springs oh dude that's uh, awesome the olympic training facility and they had this like yeah compound combine for kind of like a football combine there's they're trying to find bobsledders and skeleton. Had you even done it once? No. Well, and the thing, the combine wasn't even skeleton or bobsled. They were looking for athletes that had the, the traits for, that I they could see. train. So we didn't, I mean, we didn't push a bobsled down a track or anything. It was, it was more like sprints and like how far can you throw a, um, like a, a, not a slingshot, not the uh, shot football, how long, you know, long jump, things like that. How serious do you have to be when you show up for something like that? There were some people like, like if you got selected, could I do it now knowing I can't actually commit to getting into the Olympics, oh, you could definitely but I would show love up. to know yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of where I rank. Yeah. In, you could definitely show up. Of course, I'm if 40. have the call out again. <laughs> I think Olympics is like 18 to 25. Yeah. You know, the window for top. Yeah. Depending on some of them, it's like 16. But I get that point about, you know, you have but that I, stable I had the stability and I had a support like, mm-hmm. and it's funny cause like my dad, I think, I think I drove my mom a little crazy. He was always like, all right, he's off to do something again. And I wouldn't tell her stories until I got back and I was clearly safe. Um, <laughs> but my dad, you know, was definitely always like, ah, it's just cool to see what you go do. And so it was the stability of my parents, the stability mm-hmm. of my family and a place, a home that I could come back to that I was able to go adventure and go out as a young person. Yeah. I, I was able to go, 22 hour drive away to Ohio to go to school um, and then go to study abroad, you know, in, in Austria while I was there. And then, you know, 
play on the baseball team and travel all over the East Coast with the baseball team in Steubenville. These are just things that like I was able to do because I had the stability of a family and the support of it. And then, yeah. um, you know, after I graduated, my life was kind of on the road, freelance video work for the first year and a half. And I'd, you know, fly for a wedding and then hang out with friends in that area and then fly to another wedding and hang out with friends and, you know, filming or whatever, fly to a conference and then hang out with friends, you know? So yeah. I was just, I had, I had, um, work that I was doing, but I was also able to just kind of like bounce from friend to friend because I had stable friendships as well. Yeah. So there's like this interplay of stability and kind of adventure and the unknown yeah. that doesn't devolve into chaos, but does provide for growth. Um, and development and so i think there's a there's an interplay between it and so i think the companions and peace. yeah maybe part of the the opposite of the chaos or i i am like thinking about it right now there's a lot of different like language you could use but i'm thinking of it right now as risks mm. the ability to take risks because you have the stability you know structure and then of um the peace where yeah. augustine said peace is the tranquility of order you know now, the the difficulty with that analogy is that I also want to say there's something boring about the stability, <laughs> so that you always have to have this balance, right? So, I guess I the the thought the the analogy that I thought I'm I'm playing with right now is that we're in this beautiful place out in nature, in the mountains, and so I'm thinking of like how everything in nature relies on a balance. And so what keeps everything that apparently becomes just like the norm, what we don't realize is everything's on the move mm-hmm. and in, on the move in an organized way. So Heraclitus famously said, <laughs> you can't step in the same or same river twice. Yeah. It was it Pocahontas, Pocahontas or the Heraclitus. The <laughs> Pocahontas, Pocahontas might've said it too, uh, <laughs> yeah. right after singing all the colors of the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, no, her- yeah, Heraclitus. Yeah, everything's on the move. But there are some things that are more um, kind of free. And then there's some things that are more moving, um, free-flowing, and then other things that are um, heavy, solid, it's like stable. And the scriptures use uh, all of these different forms to describe God. Mm-hmm. So God is a this relationship, this moving relationship that's both one and three that's both um i wouldn't want to say static and dynamic but unified and multiple Mm. and it's always on the move exchange of love right and then you have the holy spirit depicted as wind yeah sometimes as water jesus as i am the i am the water of life um you have jesus in the psalms mm-hmm. or god maybe this is the father it's referring to as the rock of salvation yeah rock of refuge and so i'm thinking on all these you know earth fire wind water <laughs> and how they express different things like god is the freedom of the wind jesus talks about that mm-hmm. you know you don't know where it's going or where it came yeah. from and uh at the same time god is that uh is that rock you can just there's safety in that when everything mm-hmm. seems to be flowing or or chaotic or in the storm uh, the the image is often on the on the troubled waters there's a rock of refuge an island of safe bridge spot. over oh, yeah. troubled water here we go I, I don't think that's actually how the song goes but that's the words <laughs> hello darkness my <laughs> own friend that's uh, that's a different we also one. had a rain just started so if there's a, a subtle 
rainfall sound effect oh, in the background. Man. That's the Could rain this on be the any tent. Better? Um, I like that because I I think we can we can constrict God into a limited analogy or a limited idea. Mm. So God is only X Y Z, um, and sometimes you know. Philosophically speaking, God is unmovable, unchangeable, you know, all-powerful source. Yeah. Um, but he's also this dynamic Trinitarian love that's moving, that is being sent forth from the Father. Uh, all creation is created through him. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit is wind or uh, you know, the wild goose. You don't know which way he's going to go, right? Mm. Um, and, and so there's a surprising element of God that as well as the stable element of God. Yeah. And I think there's there's wisdom to be found in entering that mystery of God expressing and relating with us, um, that we have the security to be bold and go with the wind of the Spirit yeah. at the same time. He speaks to us. You know, God is speaking to us, the logos. God's word is being made known to us everywhere in nature. And I, you could take this anywhere. You could take mm. this into the quantum physics mm. of when I was taught as a kid, it was like the atom. It seemed like the strongest, <laughs> the only absolute piece of matter. And then it turns out that's like things that are revolving around each other yeah. in this perfect poles with this perfect tension Energy, and dance. particle waves that, you know, the, the, what is seemingly solid and material is actually just these particles moving rapidly around each other. But if you were to measure it, it's mostly space. Yeah. Um, and then the, the air is a bunch of stuff that's moving really fast. Which is funny because it's a chaotic thing. It's a, it's a total seeming chaos, but there's stability. Yeah. And there's, there's rooted materiality and, and consistency with it. And yeah. There's, there's a mystery there. And you, f- you say, well, wouldn't it be stable if everything just stopped? Yeah. But the stability comes from this push and pull, yep. this movement, this speed, this, yeah, uh, the kind of balance between the chaos and the, um, the structure or something. Yeah. Even like something like the, the stars, the, the ancient and medieval world really took that to be the most stable mm-hmm. thing, the, the most consistent rhythm. Human beings come and go. Animals come and go. The, the, the sands get blown to and fro into the yep. ocean, out into the dunes. And, but the stars are, never change. Mm-hmm. They're always where you predict. Turns out... They're exploding the and coming in. <laughs> on the but, move, But man. it's such a, uh, such a different scale to our life. Yeah. Right? So where we come and go, how many generations before you know, a, a star might blow up? But everything's, yeah. But it's, it's this, yeah, you zoom out and everything is this, this dynamism of chaos and expanse and explosion and and then also this settling and stabilizing and yeah everything the peace comes from the order that is much more wild than we expect this god is wild you you look at the galaxies through you know these super telescopes that we have now the web telescope is these amazing images and the galaxies yeah they look they look peaceful and stable from a distance, then you get in it and it's like, oh, that's actually, and then you get in and you get to the center and you get to the black holes that are kind of like causing the spiral orbital gravitational pull yeah. of these galaxies. And it's like absolute, just like force of nature, chaos, like destruction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and unknown, you know, these astrophysicists and cosmologists, 
they are using models that they're trying to find yeah. like it's but it's more fluid now yeah it's like how do things move maybe like water that's mm-hmm. flowing around the rocks that are yeah. pulling and pushing and have you seen the image of the laniakea supercluster it's the it's the supercluster of galaxies that we're a part of um and they're they're charting how many galaxies in something like that a super cluster i don't even i don't i don't want to say yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah, know yeah. but it's it's an it's an absurd number mm-hmm. but they've been tracking the gravitational movement of the known universe and especially our supercluster that we're a part of we're like one arm of this like branch and it kind of looks like a like a brain neuron when they image it cuz oh, you right. cuz there's these basically gravitational fields where the matter is being pulled into um kind of uh, a river or a flow ah. and so certain places are a lot more sparse and have less stars and and material around them where others are a lot more dense and so they're brighter mm. but it's kind of like um yeah kind of like a neuron with like legs kind of like a spider leg you like know? inverted tree yeah, the yeah, branches that come I, up, the branches and then they or the roots, of, the roots of a tree yeah, is another roots, way to look like, at it. So that's kind of what it looks like, but it's there. There is this connectedness to oh, it, oh yeah, because the gravitational poles, there's an attraction where things are being pulled towards or being pushed away from each other, and they're tracking the gravitational flow, and it does have kind of a liquid yeah. um, element to it because and it's being thing, pulled in a in a in a kind of a stream of gravity. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And these patterns in nature, one thing I love about them are they're so organized that you, we can talk about perceiving it the same way. And we see them again. And yet and again. it's so elusively complex mm. that the artist can't like, I mean, like, like the engineer can't reproduce that in yeah. any absolute way. Like the structure of the neuron, that artist, that, that mm-hmm. shape. And, and yet you can kind of, you know. Yeah recognize it and everything okay i want to bring it back to community then <laughs> right so we have this, this time together and um one of the things we were just noticing is that there's this process of celebrating and mourning um the discoveries and the loss you know, the loss and the gain so over the course of time there's been friendships that have been made and then um one of the hard things for me is you make a friendship and then sometimes there's tension or conflict. Other times there's drifting away. Mm-hmm. I've had assignments where I'm with guys and then we're like, you know, always together, besties, all this stuff. Right. And then you get a different assignment across the city and your relationship obviously changes by necessity. There's yeah. this there's this movement toward and this movement away. And there's certain well, like kind of groups of relationships that are um, part of the structure of our companions community like fraternal groups mm-hmm. i've got this little it's not a clique but it's something like that a smaller group that's more um, shares more and has a specific place there's a locus of um, community that's different than the big group just mm-hmm. a little group and we grow together in that certain way um, there's certain experiences that some share and that others don't and that's just natural to the whole thing but we're all kind of wondering like well i mean what is it that's holding us together what keeps us in orbit what keeps us mm-hmm. how do we there's ways that we're frustrated like we, could we demand somehow could we fix everything the way that can we order everything the way that we want and ha- reduce all of the chaos mm-hmm. into what we want as stability 
but this a stability that's kind of static and boring that is everything managed yeah. instead of what happens with this community is God is at work. It's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. And where there is God, there is this wildness, yeah. uncontrollability that, in fact, seems kind of chaotic. Like, is this going to hold together? Mm-hmm. Is my friendship with this guy going to stay the way it is? Is it going to change? Um, is, you know, are things going to uh, become something different that I don't want or change? You know, is there mm-hmm. going to be change? Is there going to be continuity? And all of things, these things are a yes because they're, they're held together by God and maybe just because they're natural. So I would say this is probably true about any community, yeah. whether or not God is like at the center, but especially where there is God. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe where there is God, you can trust in the stability. Yeah. You know, the peace of this whole order that's elusive. It, I didn't, we, we can't mm-hmm. make it. But it's it's there and it's beautiful and it's 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 real the peace. Yeah, God's providence has been the the idea I've been wrestling is not the right word, but pondering, mm. pondering for a year and a half now. God's providence in time, how it works. We were talking about the Ernstfall moment uh, in the previous podcast, yeah. and you might have to explain that. Yeah, so the, the Ernstfall moment is this moment of crisis where you're forced into a decision. Uh, and that to, to, to not decide or not choose is a choice in itself. Right. And so the Ernst fall for a Christian can be a moment of radical um, conversion or kind of a vocation call within a vocation type of moment where God calls you into something else out of a, a crisis moment. Now, I think we, we talked about that, and the risk is to say, okay, uh, Dr. Chap had his Ernst fall moment after 20 years in academia, and now his true life began. Yeah, and it, that's not true. That's right. not true. It's not like it's not that his twenty years in academia as a theology professor, striving to follow Christ and be a good disciple and a teacher, yeah. was pointless, worthless, futile, or sinful or something, because he hadn't had this. Dis- like, no, God came into that crisis moment, maybe even uh, willed that crisis moment for a further choice, a, a greater metanoia conversion moment, yeah. to move somebody somewhere else. It's like a bend on the river. Yeah. So I think it's Saint, it's not, Saint know, Therese as the, well, the, the the fountain or whatever, or the spring. Yeah, sorry, not Saint Therese, uh, Saint Mother Teresa. Mm. She entered a religious community. She was doing good work. She yeah. loved her high school students, but she received a call within the call to go serve the poorest of the poor. So would we say Mother Teresa's life before she became the missionary of charity was actually wrong or false? Yeah, right. I no, like within God's providence, He moved her into that phase to then totally flip it on its head and move her out into something yeah. else. And so part of this stability um, versus mm. excitement is like God moves you into something and you learn and develop and grow. Uh, incubation of a, yeah. a seed in a greenhouse, you know, the seminary is like the, the seed mm. bed of a vocation. It's incubated within the seminary so that it can burst forth into ministry. Yeah. So there's a stability that allows for growth. But then that growth is like bursting out into new life, new fruit, spreading the seed into the wind or whatever. Yeah. So these analogies, you know, they're, they're poetic, but they're, they're true. Yeah. And I so, think of um, people ask, well, what's your vocation story? Or what was your vocation moment? I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. It's called <laughs> life. It was when I was like 11 and I was playing uh, catcher at the ball game and... 
I got hit in the nose or <laughs> I got a, you know, a base hit and I was so excited. And together with my teammates, we had this experience of joy and I said, Ooh, community is good. I love it. <laughs> that was my moment, I guess, you yeah. know, everything. <laughs> and I love this about, have you ever read uh, Thomas Merton's seven story mountain? I haven't yet. Yeah. I, well, I started the first chapter and then I, it's so good because he's, he sees the grace of God coming from everything throughout his life, including like his father being an artist. They live in France. We we talked about that a little bit, I think with father John. Yeah. The the artist, his, his parents were artists, which he, you know, equated to kind of like a a secular prophet. Yeah. But But, he's trying to explain like, how did I become a Christian and how did I end up in a monastery in Kentucky? Yeah. And he says, well, it was this moment where my dad pointed to a tree and said, look how beautiful when I was five. Yeah. You know, it's like everything along the way. And But we don't know until we look back. Yeah. Because I think we, we can overemphasize something in our life. It's like, this is the moment. And then like you look back five years later and that moment means nothing to you. But the thing that you kind of like barely acknowledged was a huge thing. Yeah. That can happen as well. Now, sometimes it is like, this is a really big thing happening. And it was yeah. a really big thing happening. But Or how about um, Providence and this is the mystery of Providence. So I used to live with Father Brian Larkin, and we were um, just like living in the same house, a little house. We shared the same friends and times and activities and um, just knew each other really well. And, um, and we haven't lived together for a while, and we have a great affection and lots of memories and stuff. But there's a sadness to that. And I say, well, where is our friendship going to go? I hope it doesn't keep drifting and um, I'm losing touch with you know, he's he's having experiences. I'm having experience. I don't know about that. We can catch up, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And people change and all this stuff. And to see, well, that could be providential. You know, this yeah. conflict in your, your relationship could mm-hmm. be providential. Um, but it's not, there's no calculus to it. I can't say, well, this yeah. conflict is going to have this result, and I know it. In fact, at this point in my life and in community life, I realize I don't know where things are going. That's part of the... Mm-hmm. The, the insecurity of the whole thing or the yeah. vulnerability, but I know who is in charge. Yeah. And so I know to like be excited. Yeah. Something fun is coming. <laughs> something beautiful yeah. is coming. Something hard is coming and something um, new and uh, fresh and mm-hmm. delightful is coming. Right. Yeah. I'd say my last thought on this, um, the zoom in, zoom out of just the, our, our like local kind of, uh, orbits and then we get farther out farther out farther out mm. in time as well we get farther out and we zoom all the way out what do we have we have god who is the alpha and the omega jesus says i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end right always created through him and for him he has creation in his hand so we zoom all the way out god's looking at all of creation in its totality meaning mm. he's not being surprised by what happens to us in 10 years he knows yeah. He's he's looking at everything. You think the future is known like that to God? I do. I think it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. I I don't want to like like get I do, into heresy. But but it also <laughs> but it also doesn't mean it um his knowledge of it is changing our free right. participation yeah, in, we're it, not in the moment. Right. But it it's a it's a failing analogy cuz everything will fail at this. But yeah, it's like like sorry, holding holding a uh, holding a, a snow globe in your hand, right? Mm. You can you see all of the things part or you know the snow particles or whatever falling out and you see the tree like you can see the whole thing 
Yeah. God sees the whole thing. He's holding it. But even more than me, who's kind of like focusing on one thing at all, like he's able to know all of it at all times. Yeah, at once. And so there's this sense of like God's knowledge, that stability of like creation is God's. He is the Lord of it. He wins. <laughs> he, yeah. He made it. We introduced sin and he made all things work for those who love him, that even through sin, he brings grace. And so J.R.R. Tolkien in the Silmarillion, he has kind of the creation myth of Middle Earth. And it's the, the God figure. Uh, Luvatar sings this song and all the Maiar, oh, right. all the Maiar that he has created is like the first beings, the, the high angel type uh, characters participate in the melody that he puts forth. And their participation in the melody starts to create. And yeah. because they're singing in harmony with Iluvatar's original um, melody, uh, melody yeah. the creation is good, but there's a participation, there's a mediation of the creation in the, in the melody. Yeah. And then one of the Maiar um, starts to sing a discordant hymn because he wants to create for himself yeah. in his own image. And so he tries to start singing his own song. Yeah. But Iluvatar is his creator and is the master of the melody. And so he's able, they he kind of lets it happen and they all sing. And, and Melkor, the like Satan figure, sings his discordant song. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh no, what's going on? And then Iluvatar comes in at the end. And because he's the Lord of it all, sings a way that reharmonizes the chaos the and discord the... that had been tried yeah. to be sung in because he's the Lord over all of it. Yeah. He's, he has the victory and it's the turning all things back to uh, good for those who love him. Yeah. But within this, that song then is the analogy for creation. So the song has been created, the symphony has been written and now it gets played out and the creation happens and you have history. And so it's, it's Tolkien's kind of um, beautiful mythological way of trying to kind of, point to a creation and participation and mediation and i yeah. love it and the whole charisma yeah, even the evil is mm -hmm. saved somehow yeah and so we've got this god who has everything in his hand there's a stability and a faith and trust of like okay god has this so then when i zoom all the way in and i look at like the big picture of of our cultural and the, the state of the church and our countries at 2023 we can be like oh no this is chaos whatever yeah. then we zoom in a little further and it's like oh man the association and then we zoom in a little further and it's like oh man my own life yeah my heart my soul <laughs> discordant and chaos and there's things working out but because it's in a process and that doesn't mean like we're not progressivist like idealists where we think everything is progressing um by its by itself to a good like god has to enter into that to make some of it good mm -hmm. like i could i could be fostering habits that are actually destructive for me and my soul mm. and so like there's not i don't i don't get this free pass of like oh everything's just gonna go and work out for me it's like no i actually have an active participation in that i have to start in ordering my own life by listening for that melody of god and that's the discernment mm. and then i order my life to the harmony of the original melody but i'm still the one who's kind of singing creating that, yeah. that melody so very poetic, very abstract. But. I love it, man. I think our minds work like that, just <laughs> into the waves, into the imagination. And maybe a last point I'll make is coming back to something that you had said about taking risk. So the stability allows us to take risks. It allows the, the, the older guys in the companions to say, we'll cede the floor to you guys. 
What do you want? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Instead of saying, well, we have the form. You mm-hmm. just copy the form and continue doing the same things. That will That's just going to kind of grow stagnation or something, mm-hmm. you know. But the ability to take risks or in a friendship, you know, for me to, to say, well, hey, uh, I, can, I can challenge something that seems uncomfortable or I can celebrate something uncomfortable. I can go tell a guy a compliment and I don't know how he's going to take it. <laughs> you know, you got cool shoes. Maybe he's like, yeah, oh, that guy's sarcastic. <laughs> he's making fun of me. And uh, maybe, maybe he's just like, well, that guy's weird. You know, he wants to steal my shoes. <laughs> and uh, it, it allows for risks, you yeah. know, the push and pull, the stability does. And it also allows us to take responsibilities. So it's me being able to um, help guys who are living risky to be able to say, hey, you know, you're going too far. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're. You're confronting that brother. You're doing this thing. You're um, expecting and judging everything too hard. Um, so here, let me help you to be more stable, mm-hmm. you know, less chaotic, less less out there. And and then at the same time saying, well, you know, these things are getting boring. You know, I'll go for something. Yeah. Try something. And it's so, it, there's something in the community that not only is this sort of push and pull, this beautiful, harmonious, strange mm-hmm. chaos, but also the way that we engage in our own, uh, the relationships, the way that we relate, allow us to be able to be a point of stability and um, a bedrock, and then also a, a challenge for, um, mm-hmm. to, to, to take risks and to encourage risks among um, the rest of the community. So, Great. Yeah, there you go. I enjoyed that. Keep riffing on nature, man. (laughs) I thought you would. I thought if I can get it to quantum. (laughs) (laughs) There he goes again. And cosmology. Yeah. Then Machado and I are going to have fun. Quantum cosmology. Even like the uh, the ebb and flow. I love the image of of the ocean and the shore and the the relation between the water and the waves. Yeah. I don't know. We could go. There's a bajillion. Yeah, yeah. We've got years. So anyway. uh, Or not. Yeah, who knows? Um shout outs any, any you got you know the last time I shouted out the uh, the sisters who were on retreat with me and including um, sister Dr. Uh, Trish who's not <laughs> a religious sister but certainly a sister in the uh, life of, of grace I, I neglected to shout out Father Kevin Leidig who was my director a true gentleman a sweet guy um, a happy jolly fellow <laughs> and a super wise one who has been giving the exercises and teaching in high schools um, for, well, specifically giving the exercises for 10 years, leading these retreats. So he had the, the grace and the insight to be able to say, oh, okay, I think this is where God is moving. Have you looked at this? And to be able to um, kind of give me the push and pull of, why don't you do this again? I think it would help for you to do this again. And then to say, well, got it. You're doing good. Uh, you know, you just keep going. Keep going with wherever God is working. It seems to be working. And you, on in the life of grace and prayer, you go from consolation to consolation. You try to follow the consolation. It's like the frog jumping from um, lily pad to lily pad. So he was sometimes there to say, well, jump back to that one, and you can jump over to the other one. and uh, Or just keep going. You're on the line, you know, and... Um, 
Jesus is doing that simultaneously, but when you have a director who is wise and simple enough to just let God go and to let you be you and um, to let the exercises not be like strictly, you know, given, I don't know, like, but, but according to each life yeah. and uh, to each personality and soul and everything. So a wise Jesuit, Father Kevin Leidy, um, really, really have a deep affection for him and gratitude for him. So shout out to you, buddy. Uh, hope you hear this <laughs> or that somebody who does lets you know because I really want you to. I want to shout out uh, Mark Lanzini, who is my theology professor, well, theology teacher, junior year of high school, All right. Matchbuff High School. And then, I, I'm, this might be wrong, but I think it's Sister Mary Frances. She was a Dominican. We had three Sister Mary somethings at the school at the time, and I, I've got them jumbled oh, in my mind right now. Oh, they're all Sister Mary something. But uh, this sister, she was my literature professor junior year. Um, and she's actually, I think she's gone on to um, enter into a more contemplative order uh, than the Dominicans even at this point. So she probably won't hear this. She's off in the, you know, the edge of society praying and watching for yeah. Christ coming. Um, but the two of them together, uh, Mark Lanzini kind of was the first to present uh, a living faith, a faith that was in relation with the dynamism of Christ's movement, um, that, that mattered, that had history, that had philosophy, that was rooted, but was also like dynamic in your own life. And then Sister in her is the literature and um, creative writing course, she really opened up the narrative structure and how history um, and the use of language kind of facilitates memory, but also kind of new discovery. Mm. And so those two were kind of the linchpin of the first time that I ever encountered academics, not as strict, I'm going to science class, I'm going to math class, I'm going to English class, I'm going to you know, government class and yeah. like whatever, and they're all separate um, kind of silos of study. Those two, the way that they taught their respective classes, helped me bring everything else, yeah. my math and my science classes, my history classes during that, all kind of entered into this corpus of history, of knowing it and yeah. then entering into it, living it and creating it. So Was that intentional? Like they had an integrated program? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, just, I think they were just very integrated people. Yes. And the way they taught was already integrated, mm. so it just flowed forth, and I was able to intuit it and start to implement it in it. But that, yeah, that year, I like school and learning education was one. It wasn't individual yeah. classes, yeah, and they were the first the ones idea. to kind of bring that in. Dude. So uh, that uh, they came to mind as we were talking about you know all these topics. I was like, who who did kind of introduce this, these ideas to me first? And I think there are two of them. So if you would do me a favor, and that would be text Lanzini. We had a funny conversation. Yeah. I think this is the only time I ever met him. <laughs> he gave us a ride from Chimayo in Santa Fe oh, wow. for hours and hours to Denver <laughs> uh, for after a pilgrimage. And um, he, we celebrated some of the stuff that we liked. One of those was Wise Blood oh. of Flannery O'Connor, yeah. a novel. And um, I just recently read it again, so I want to... Like find him and cool talk now. Yeah, I'll let him know. Actually, I can give you his number. Right he he was gonna come to the ordination, but he actually got COVID. No, during, so he was he was fine, but yeah, I couldn't make the diaconate ordination. So no, there's providence even in that thing. Okay, God bless you, everybody. Remember the poor. We're out. Take care.